0: Hi, everyone. I'm Denise Garth, Chief Strategy Officer at Majesco, and you're listening to the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast series. Follow along as I interview the best and brightest leaders in the insurance industry and insure tech landscape to bring you the latest in digital transformation, innovation, industry trends, challenges, and opportunities, as well as next-gen technologies. We use our experience to anticipate what's next without losing sight of what's now. Stay tuned to find out your next now. Welcome, everybody, to today's podcast for the future of insurance industry leaders. And I am thrilled to have a dear friend and insure tech colleague and partner with us, Emilio. Figueroa from Foresight Insurance, a startup, and he is the chief insurance officer. So welcome, Emilio.
1: Hi, Denise. Thank you. And thank you for having me.
0: What I thought would be kind of fun is to give a little bit of background on yourself about Foresight and about our partnership. But you and I met a number of years ago when InsurTech was just getting started. And so you've had a a number of different roles and you've been involved in the industry for some time, particularly in InsurTech. So it's a fascinating background. So give us the background, Emilio.
1: No, happy to do so. And we have known each other for six, five, six, seven years. Yeah. So from the inception of what we see as InsurTech now, although InsurTech has been around forever, I think the new InsurTech 2.0 is very different than what we saw in the beginning days. But a little background about myself. I've been in the industry for 32 years, started right out of high school, Uh, worked for a brokerage up in Newport Beach, commercial brokerage. Came down to San Diego, went to film school, decided that film school wasn't for me, went back into insurance. Uh, I started a commercial brokerage here in San Diego. We were writing in the Southwest, licensed in tw- about 26 states, mainly writing premium in about 17. Wrote over 100 million in premium, decided to maximize my vertical income stream, and I created additional verticals for that. So I had an MGU, had a premium finance license out of Utah banking license. I've had everything on the alternative risk transfer side from risk retention groups to every iteration of a captive from an 831B to association, group, agencies, standalone captives, been domiciled in four different territories within the United States. Then I had two reinsurance companies in Bermuda. One I had a partner in and the other one I was the sole owner of just because I didn't have enough fingers in the insurance ecosystem. So for me, a lot of experience within the commercial space, within the insurance chain. Insurance chain has five links, from distribution to MGU, MGA, wholesale operations, to the carrier side, to the reinsurance side, and the premium financing. So pretty much deep knowledge and all those verticals. What brought me to Foresight, I met the three founders of our sister company named SafeSite, And SafeSite had this Pretty innovative risk management platform. In my eyes, I'd never seen anything like that. But what really drove me was not the push of the risk management tech itself, but the engagement behind it. How they were engaging the frontline worker and not and you know everyone within the organization, but pushing it to the frontline worker for true engagement. And that's where we see frequency concerns. In the insurance industry but first and foremost we you know it's a perfect leader for a line like workers compensation and for us looking at bring that technology to the insurance space when there wasn't anything in the insurance space that had a foundational risk management engagement level and behavioral push level uh, was very important i saw the technology i drank the kool-aid i wrote the patent with one of our co-founders peter grant um, on our risk score and decided to help these young Australians launch this company and create this company in this vertical and insurance space. So for us, when you look at InsurTech, for me, it's just you know, insurtech, as we see it now, it's technology vendor services provided to the industry, which is pretty and it's cute, but it's not true insurtech. Insurtech, in my eyes, is having a th- foundational technology and then wrapping an insurance program around it, and having that technology be the foundation for pushing the initiatives that you have to throughout the insurance industry, which is first and foremost super important. It's interesting. It's exciting. Uh, there's a lot of. Changes going on in the industry, and as we grow, and as we see changes, you know, in our industry workforce, we see a lot of baby boomers retiring. We see a lot of things happening, and we need to make insurance sexy and fun. And that's where we first met five six years ago.
0: It is, and what's fascinating to me is your journey through your career, and particularly in the last five six years, when you've been involved in a number of different startups, both uh, you know, technology startups as well as uh, the MGAMGUs and You know, those are kind of similar, but different experiences. And how has that helped you look at technology differently now as a buyer and a user of technology versus when you were kind of involved on the other side at trying to sell the technology? Emilio?
1: Well, leaving the dark side and coming into the light (laughs) of InsurTech. Going back to the early days of InsurTech, seeing the maturity and evolution of technology has been very dramatic since we met. You know, five, six years ago. Technology deployments, pilots, and adoptions have increased dramatically since the early days as insure tech vendors become more defined in their offering and vision to the respective business segments. Now, the early days were more of a fishing expedition in my eyes. And seeing that evolution and adoption of technology has been very interesting and exciting to see. From the MGU side, it's refreshing to watch the industry drive not only operational efficiencies, but deeper client engagement with a more empathetic viewpoint to the user and to the frontline worker.
0: Workers' compensation is one of those lines of business that uh, has had its own ups and downs, and, and it can be pretty complex. I think what's really fascinating is that the workers' compensation market is one of the most competitive markets in decades. As some of the incumbent carriers fight over market share with kind of a traditional agency system and maybe you know, not really changing their business models and not really expanding into digital or some of the newer technologies that's really kind of, I think, going to kind of stall their growth and potential profitability. How do you view the market and what are you guys doing that's really kind of innovative that you can share and what opportunities do you see in the marketplace, you know, really bodes well for the workers' comp market? For us,
1: I mean, if you look at the industry, rates have been historically decreasing for the past 17 years. So it's been a very soft market. I feel like the market is still, even though it's soft, but it's trending towards a price stabilization. You know, we have a recommended 7.6% increase by the California Bureau for 2022. Um, And since California holds 24% of the national market, its rate influences will be felt across the nation. So you'll start seeing more stabilization and slight price increases coming up. Our driving initiative is to push for risk management engagement through the policy lifecycle and to effectively change or ensure risk mitigation strategies from a reactive to a proactive basis. The workers' comp market has yet to evolve since it's such a regulated line. There's not much to change from a policy or rating standpoint at the very least yet, but we're working on some very truly innovative changes that will be disrupting the line of business.
0: And part of that's really customer expectations and creating a different kind of an experience. What you kind of commented on changing from a reactive to proactive. What else do you see as compelling experiences that are going to change workers' comp into the future?
1: There are many opportunities available for change in the line. So for workers' comp at least, you're looking at, you know, rating, underwriting analysis, claims, client engagement. The workers' comp line is seen as a necessary evil by the insured. And we need to change that dynamic. We need to change how claims are handled, which is a leading cause of insured uncertainty and discomfort for the injured worker. We need to focus on medical care and wellness and push for a more empathetic experience. We need to humanize that engagement throughout the complete policy life cycle so we have a collaborative look at the industry and we're collaborating with our insurance, with their employees. We're making sure that it's not a one-way street. It's a two-lane road that we both need to work with together.
0: The economy has been really shifting and changing to kind of a non-demand economy, a gig economy. We now have you know, a fight for talent uh, inside in companies, and we've got a fight for talent in areas where There's jobs that workers' comp is absolutely crucial to have for those workers. You know, what do you see with the changing economy, the changing workforce? What opportunities does that present for the workers' comp marketplace for those that are offering innovative insurance solutions out there?
1: I think the changing economy will guide rate fluctuations in carrier profitability. Changes in workforce are interesting. We have the largest intellectual drain in our nation as baby boomers retire, and the workforce would be limited across all industries. The pandemic has caused a gigantic shift in power from the employer to the employee, and this will further be enforced by with the retiring population. Payroll has increased dramatically by employee, and I believe claim frequency will be reduced since those employees will want to retain higher wage employment. But we're seeing now that frequency has actually increased and hence severity. It's a slight increase, but it's still something that we need to be very, be very wary of. I think on a claim side, I see a lot of concern in mental health. There's a lot of mental health issues, not only from the pandemic, but as we grow as a society and we need to take care of our workers, we need to make sure that that mental health is, you know, first and foremost a part of this.
0: You know, that's interesting, Emilia, because I think we often think about workers' harm huh, for somebody who was physically hurt are physically, you know, disabled because of work. And we don't always think about all the other aspects of a person's health in that way. It's really fascinating.
1: Yeah, no, it's interesting to see how, you know, the industry's changing, the dynamics behind how we look at claims and what we perceive to be claims are changing. We need to be able to adapt to these changes. You no. Know, and the pandemic has been a primal example of how we need to adapt and how we have adapted. Yeah. But we need to be more cognizant of what is to come.
0: So technology, obviously, as you stated earlier, is a key part of the solution. It's from core to digital to data and analytics and new technologies like IoT. It's not these long multi-year projects or these hundreds of millions of dollar types of projects. It's really getting that technology out fast. And it's about speed to market so that you can really kind of get out there and and bring new products to market and adapt to that. Talk about uh, what you're doing and the experience with that.
1: Well, for us that's the leading safety focus workers comp and Sure Tech, we are nimble to bring our initiatives to market quicker than standard legacy competitors. We can bring a program to market within four to six months from start to finish, versus a standard legacy carrier who can bring their program to market, you know, between twelve to eighteen months. So for us, agility is first and foremost. The utmost importance, making sure that we can adopt technology in a quarter versus legacy carriers where they can take up to a year or more to do so. As an industry veteran, it's exciting to see, but more importantly, to be able to do so accurately and nimbly is beyond exciting for me and being able to, if we have an idea, we can bring it to market quickly. If we're looking at pushing some initiative, there's not a lot of red tape we need to deal with outside of regulatory and legislative, but you know we're working on that as well.
0: One of the other interesting areas that I've spent some time on in the last six months with um, some of our research and then also some people in the industry is really around underwriting and data and analytics and how we've always known that underwriting is foundational to the industry. It's really the crucial portion that really determines some profitability. But now we've got kind of this arms race around data, you know, to really apply into underwriting. And you mentioned that you guys have, you know, developed uh, some models that you are using and are really protecting, you know, from an IP perspective. How do you see the industry approaching underwriting differently, data differently, and you know, any advice you would give to people?
1: Well, if we look at to properly underwrite an account, you need clean and precise data. Without it, underwriters won't have a true representation of the risk to price it accurately. You know, we know ca- legacy carriers have been sitting on millions of historical data points that are either unused due to the organizational structure, or that data is unstructured and separated in different silos. We need to find a way to combine, structure, validate, and deploy that data properly so it can be used by all departments across every organization for greater efficiency. Data vendors can help provide an ease validation for richer insights that incumbent carriers and MGAs currently don't use, or if they do use it, You know, look at additional data points, look at social or behavioral data, Uh, being able to interject different portions of data and then comparing the data so it's clean and structured is utmost importance. For us, using real-time risk data and using that in conjunction with our risk score and grading clients on how they're doing on a per-job basis, as a regional basis or as an organization is super important for our underage to be able to look at that data and see how not only are we using historical data, like a standard legacy carrier, but looking at real-time data to look at behavior and how we can guide and change that behavior for a safer environment.
0: Looking back at the last five, six, seven years that you and I first met and, and where the industry how it's changed, how are you thinking about future of insurance today and then what do you think is going to be different in five years, both for the industry and for workers' comp?
1: It's a loaded question. It's a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, I hope <laughs> we have an hour.
0: Is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm excited to see what the future of the industry will look like from initiatives on the reinsurance side like B3i to more nimble carriers moving to fully digitized platforms to ease market entry to seeing more personalized experiences between brokers and insureds. I think the industry is moving in the right direction. I am concerned about the lack of incoming talent and hope the industry can retain advisory and mentorship opportunities from retired executives to ease and motivate the younger generation and to explore current and new opportunities in insurance. Insurance isn't isn't sexy, but it can be creative and very rewarding.
0: I think a lot of people began to understand the value of insurance through the pandemic, whether it was on an individual basis or on a business basis, and how it underpins people's lives and economies. And I think for the first time coming out of it, some of our research has highlighted that people do begin to understand the value of insurance. They just want something that's easier to understand, easier to buy. It really meets their unique needs and perspectives. I think some of what you guys are doing are going to be able to answer to that, Emilio. So congratulations on that. So if you could describe the future of insurance with one word or phrase, what would it be and why?
1: If I could describe the future of insurance... In one word. Well, the one word would be hopeful. I'm going to give you a run-on phrase here. I'm very optimistic for the changes that are coming in the industry, and then I'm very grateful for what has happened in the past 32 years. There's been a dramatic technological evolution in the industry and a more humanizing aspect of the way we look at insureds and injured workers. I think humanizing the policy journey mutual, for mutual collaboration with our brokers, insurers, and their employees is truly of utmost importance. The changes have a positive social impact, and I think that's what I'm most hopeful about, being able to simplify, engage, and collaborate with our partners.
0: I love that word. Nobody else has used that word. I love that word, Emilio. (laughs)
1: Well, I'm an optimist at heart, so
0: let's see what happens. Well, that's why you and I always have fascinating conversations, (laughs) because we both tend to be uh, forward-thinking and optimistic, with a lot of laughs and giggles in, in between. It's been a fascinating conversation. I can't agree with you more that the the future is very hopeful. I just want to congratulate Foresight and the entire team and yourself on you guys' success. And and thank you for the support that you've given us. And I'm looking forward to all the exciting things that you guys are going to be doing over the next five years.
1: There's a lot of innovative things that we're working on. For me, looking at changing the dynamic of how pricing structures work are super important. Looking at changing regulatory and legislative. I won't say too much about it, but looking at changing those aspects to make sure that it's a win-win situation for everyone involved from not only our insurance, but the employees and our carriers and our partnerships and reinsurance partnerships, making sure that we can make a positive impact in the industry, impactful change. So I'm excited to see what happens. Thank you for having me. Always lovely to chat with you, Denise. I look forward to seeing you soon and we'll go from there.
0: All right. Thanks, Emilio. And congratulations.
1: Thank you very much.
0: That's it for this week's episode of Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast. Subscribe to our market leading podcast series available wherever you get your podcast from. Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in the next time.